1: You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered.
0: B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports
1: Illustrated. Third down and one.
0: Hurts. E in. First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles.
1: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Believe Podcast Network and sponsored by always, BetOnline.ag, the best sports betting website around. Head on over to BetOnline.ag, use promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V, and they will match your initial deposit up to 50%. That's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, courtesy of the podcast, courtesy of Eagles Unfiltered, won some money with us like we were doing as well. Co-host Connor Miles, my co-host Ed Kras, as always. Ed, this is going to be a real quick Crazy way to start off the pod. So I wanted to ask you, and I don't want you to have any time to think at all. I anybody who's listening to this, I don't want you guys to have any time to think at all. Think of this question, and the first person that answers uh, pops in your head, answer that as that person. Who is the most deserving of a midseason Eagles contract extension in your mind?
0: Oh, goodness. Um,
1: who's the first person that pops into the it? The
0: first person that pops into my head is probably... Uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Um yeah. I don't I don't know if that's going to be realistic. I mean the guy leads the NFL in interceptions with five heading into the Monday night game. He's been everything and more that you could have hoped for when the Eagles acquired him at the end of August. Um, but he's he's playing uh he's playing into his, his way into like a $15 million a year contract. And but mm. well, I just don't know if Howie Roseman will go there. But he would be of all the free agents the Eagles have heading into the offseason, he would be my number one target.
1: I had to agree with that. Uh, and especially, you're, you're also forgetting, it wasn't much draft capital, but it was still draft capital. You're giving up draft capital for the guy. You want to keep that guy that you're giving up premium resources for. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I do think they can find a way to keep him. But like, You know what's funny? The first person that pops into my head wasn't even him. Hmm. I was going to say that's the popular answer because he's leading the NFL in interceptions. He, he seems to... Always be where he needs to be when the ball arrives. And you know, it's funny, I hear other people nitpick that. Like God, oh, some of these interceptions he's lucked into, and I think that's silly because you know what you know who hasn't lucked into interceptions the last couple of years? The Philadelphia Eagles defense has not lucked into interceptions the last couple of years. So to have a guy luck, I'm using air quotes here for people who are listening to the podcast luck into these interceptions it's been the first time in multiple years has happened really since asante samuel and brandon boykin brandon boykin had a good interception run for the eagles too as well but they haven't had anything like that since since then so they have chauncey guard to come in here and have five interceptions and lead the nfl up to this point uh is phenomenal absolutely phenomenal it really is you're right he's playing his way into a new deal i mean marcus williams just got paid by the baltimore ravens the eagles were involved in those negotiations so you would like to think that they are going to prioritize the safety position and pay what it is required to pay um, when it comes to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So I don't think it's – I'm close doing that officially, but it's the other safety. It's Marcus Epps. I think he's too vital to this team. You know, everybody – we live in a world where we get stuck in the box score, where we judge a player by what his numbers are. And that's just what the social media era dictates. And it's silly, and then you're missing 50% of the football uh, by doing so. So when I look at Marcus Epps, I look at a guy who doesn't come off the field at all. Complete leader, unheralded leader, really, to be honest with you, because if you're on the football field for every single defensive snap, you're clearly a leader in vital parts of this team and they need you. So that's where I look at this now. Where I look at where Marcus Epp started from, going through the Jim Schwartz end of that Jim Schwartz era into what Jonathan Gann's defense requires, you know, proving to both defensive coordinators that he deserved to be on the roster and then proving to the latest one that he deserves to be a starter for them. You don't have homegrown talent like that, Ed. It doesn't really happen like that. I know the Eagles didn't draft him. They got him off waivers. But still, they're the ones who developed him. And to have a guy come into his own and become this kind of a starter, which, let's be honest, 80% of his fan base doubted that would happen. Nobody thought Marcus F was going to be a solid starter for this team. Very few did. I did. But very few did and wanted other options of the safety position over him. And I'll tell you right now, he's playing better than most of those options that people wanted over him. So – I go ahead and I get Marcus of extension because I realize he's too vital to this team. He doesn't miss a play, and he is the future of the safety position for this team. Even if they bring back Chauncey Carter-Johnson and reunite these two, which I would love to see. I think they're a great duo together, and I think they really help this back end of this defense's passing game especially. But I'm going with Marcus Epps there because I don't think you can lose a guy like that, especially a guy, you, you know, when you lost Malcolm Jenkins Ed, a guy who didn't miss a single snap on defense, that was a huge hole for you. Huge hole for you. It was hard to overcome. Don't do that. Don't make that mistake again and and lose another guy that has played every single snap for you. I don't just don't do it. Keep Marcus Epps around.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and that's really kind of the quandary that Howie's in is. You know, you got two safeties that are both free agents, and you'd like to get them both back. Um, I think Marcus Epps's deal is probably easier to do mm-hmm. than Chauncey Gardner Johnson's. I think Marcus. You might be able to get him done maybe three years, 15 million dollars, five million a year, something along those lines. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you know, he he's certainly uh somebody that they should bring back. I mean, if you lose one or both of those guys, then you're starting all over at safety. You're gonna have to, you know, look at the free agent market. Uh, you're gonna have to draft somebody. They don't do really do that. Um, so yeah, I think Epps will come back. I think that's probably the easier. Uh, deal to do other than, you know, uh, Johnson, Chauncey Gardner, Johnson's going to be more difficult. I think Marcus Epps might be the easiest one of all the 15 free agents they have to get done. Uh, I think he wants to come back. I think he wants to stay here uh, and I'm surprised they haven't really done it yet so far. Um, you know, I know November is not even halfway old yet, but maybe we'll see something later this month with Marcus Epps, but yeah, I think they're going to bring him back because he's the easiest one to bring back. And then we'll see what the offseason brings for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and how much uh, he's going to break the bank. But, yeah, I you got to bring one of them back. And Marcus, is, Marcus Epps is the easiest of the two. He's not the better of the two. Gardner-Johnson gives this defense a playmaker. Uh, you know, say what you want about his interceptions. But he's a playmaker that these defenses really kind of lacked, in my opinion, in the last few years. Um, you have to be aware of where he is on the field when you're a quarterback and you're throwing the ball because he's playing a position now, that free safety spot that he didn't play in New Orleans. He's free to roam and go where he wants, and he knows where the ball's going. So you have to be very precise when you throw it his way because he'll pick off anything that's a mistake. He'll contest anything that's close. Uh, he's, he's a playmaker this defense needs, and that to me has got to be your top priority in the offseason is signing him uh, to a long-term deal.
1: That's a good point. I, I agree with you on the Marcus Epps thing too because I, I think teams look at those type of players and they're like, well, he flied in their system. They figured out how to work with him for years. Not always going to be the same thing when you go to a brand new team and a new system. So I agree with you on the Marcus Epps take. I, I I would I'm surprised he's actually not one of them is he's an extension already, like you're saying as well. It's funny that we both landed on safety though, and I guarantee you, majority, if not all, our listeners that are listening to this land on safety as well. Because they have no other people behind them adequate enough to take on this safety position. And look, uh, there's a lot of faith, uh, a lot of faith by fans and uh, other media members alike for Trace Sermon, the running back. Because, you know, it's funny, we didn't say Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders does creep in my mind. And it's funny, everybody, you know, this offseason, when you were the one who first brought it up, like, well, what about Miles Sanders if he has a great season and you got to extend him? And everybody laughed it off because you don't pay a running back. And even even me, I was like, I don't know. I don't think he's deserved it even now. It's a great season. Now I'm kind of changing my tune a little bit, a little bit, because I'm thinking, man, Hertz and Sanders are so different style of runners, but they're completely different. Hertz is a demolisher, a bulldozer, a physical runner. Miles Sanders is that elusive, shifty type that will be boom or bust for you. And I hate to bring that up. But at the same time, when I'm looking at this team, and I'm prioritizing positions There's when keep Wallace goes out to that field. We all know it's going to be bad. Like right? Andre Shacher, great player. I actually think, I think he's their third best safety on this team, to be honest with you, straight up. I don't want him starting. Yeah. So when I look at running back, I can survive. The Eagles have survived. When Miles Sanders has gone down with Boston, Scott, Kenny Gainwell, and probably Trey sermon. If, if called upon would you like that in the offseason no you would like them to go a different route and get another running back but i'm not concerned about running back as so as i am about safety and neither are you apparently so it's interesting that you know we all went to safety we didn't go to linebacker we didn't go to tj edwards you know we didn't go to kaiser white because there is some guys in the wings like nicobe dean and who's eventually gonna have to make the field one way or another So we didn't go there, which I don't know. T.J. Edwards also creeps in my mind as well. I put T.J. Edwards over Kaiser-Way. I wonder what you think about that. But I I would bring back T.J. Edwards over Kaiser-Way at this point and put Nicobe Dino, weak side linebacker. Yeah, you know,
0: he he would T.J. would probably be my second. If I had to list my priorities, I would probably, you know, obviously, you know, Epps is in that mix. But, you know, I would go with T.J. Edwards as my second priority here. Behind Chauncey Gardner. But I think, again, Edwards should be another easy deal to get done here, you know, in this right. window that they have to extend contracts, because like you said, with Epps, you know, he's a guy that, you know, the Eagles have figured out how to use in their system. And he's doing a good job in the Eagles system. So, you know, why wouldn't you try to get a deal done with him for three years, you know, another maybe 18 million, something like that, you um, Six million a year. I mean, I, I listen, TJ was undrafted here. You know, he has an allegiance to Philadelphia. I think he would take a deal somewhere along those lines. And, and we might see something like that get done. But yeah, I think it's interesting because when you look at their positions on defense, you have a decision. Okay. Is it Chauncey Gardner, Johnson, or is it Marcus Epps? Okay. That's a safety a linebacker. Is it Kaiser or TJ? I think it's TJ. And I like Kaiser white an awful lot. Um, you know, I think he has helped this defense immensely. And then at defensive tackle, do you bring back Cox or Hargrave? I mean, really, you know, those are two guys too. That's on the, true. You know, he sure
1: one.
0: yeah. So, I mean, TJ would be my second guy. And I think, you know, Miles Sanders, to me, running backs are kind of easy to find. And what concerns me about Miles is we're seeing kind of a renewed passion from him. You know, we're seeing him stay healthy. We're seeing him really, you know, putting his nose to the grindstone. Contract here, year miles to, Sanders. Yeah. The contract. And that kind of concerns me is okay. Now what happens when he signs the contract? Does he go back to being the player that he became in years two and three? I mean, I'm not saying he is, I mean, miles is a pretty good guy, but you know, he just, it makes you wonder like, okay, where has this been, you know, year two, year three with miles. Now all of a sudden he's playing for a contract and we're seeing what we hope to see from miles, two years ago. So that to me is a little bit of a concern. And I, and I do think they like Trey Sermon enough that he'll be in their plans next year. I don't think Boston Scott's going to come back. He's another free agent. Um, you know, maybe they pick somebody up in the draft, but I, I wouldn't put, I'd probably put Sanders maybe, uh, maybe, maybe fourth in my priority behind, like I already mentioned, Chauncey TJ and my fourth, my third guy would probably be Javon Hargrave.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say he's my second. Cause you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not, completely sold on Milton williams as a starter i i think Milton williams right now is a third guy rotational piece would be where i would want to go with my future mm-hmm. i need to bring javon hargrave back and i also need to figure out before i even give him that extension because if you give him an extension it's going to be a big money deal how the hell this didn't happen the first couple of games and why it's kicking into gear now because it is a concern about javon hargrave as much as anybody would, I, I love javon hargrave i mean i'm written multiple pieces on him. I thought he's been a great player for this team. But these are spurts with John Hargreaves. These aren't consistency with him. You know, in 2020, started off very slow. You know, he's hampered by the injury. And training camp injury, going into the season, learning a whole new system, got hot late in the year. 2021, started off the season like we all thought he would. Looked like an All-Pro. Fell off at the end of the year. Start the season off, you didn't hear his name at all. Now we're getting to the midway point, and he has five sacks already because he's destroying his opportunities. But why is he always spurts with him? I want this the whole entire season. If I'm going to give you this big money deal, the Eagles are going to have to give you. But I'm with you on that. He's my second guy because I want him next to Jordan Davis. I want him next to Jordan Davis, complimenting Jordan Davis while spelling him well because I just don't think William Williams is quite there just yet.
0: Yeah. My, yeah, I, I think Hargrave is an important piece. I I'd like to see him do a better job stopping the run. I mean, he's very hard to control in the past game. I mean, you know, we've seen it five sacks, the last two games. Um, he leads the team in sacks now with six. I mean, he, he's very good at, at putting pressure on a quarterback, but in the run game, he's a different player. So uh, I'd like to see him be a little bit more stout against the run. Um, but, you know, kind of filling out my list. I mean, Okay, so you have Hargrave second. I probably have him third. My fourth priority free agent signing would probably be Isaac Siamalu. I mean, I, you yeah. know, you're, you're probably going to lose Jason Kelsey to retirement. Although, you know, we talked to him about it on Friday, and uh, you know, I'm not so sure he's ready to go into the sunset just yet because he's enjoying this team. He likes to where this team is headed, uh, not only this season, but you know, next season and the year after because of Jalen Hurts you know, Jalen Hurts' development has Jason Kelsey excited that this team can be a factor uh, the next couple of years. He said so himself on Friday. So, um, but, but even still, even if Kelsey comes back and I, I don't really think he will, I see him all is a, a very good uh, right guard in this league. I mean, under the radar, he's been that way his whole career, but you know, he's the smartest offensive lineman they have in the room. Very cerebral, very good at getting the job done. So you know he would probably be number four on my list of priority free agents see the call because i'm telling yeah. you right now
1: you're putting cam jurgens in a situation to be a first-time starter and fill the shoes of jason kelsey you want to make sure that everything around him is going perfect
0: yeah you don't want jack driscoll to step in at right guard and cameron jurgens next year um you know that's two very important positions that you'd be transitioning away from two pretty good players if that were the situation so I would make Ciamalo a priority here too, and again, he's another one I think that you can get done, you know, in this November window. Uh, and, and you know how he likes to do these deals, and you know those Epps, TJ, and Isaac Ciamalo,
1: to me are the three easiest deals you yeah. could probably make now. And especially yeah. Samalo's injury history, because I, you know, you and I agree on a lot, and it sometimes hinders us, hinders us with this podcast. But I 100% agree with you there, because. All this offseason, all you heard was Jack Driscoll was interchangeable with Isaac Samalo, and I thought that was incredibly wrong. Incredibly wrong. Isaac Samalo is a whole different beast of a player at guard than Jack Driscoll is, and a lot better, too, at it. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Keep Driscoll at tackle, as backup right tackle. Let him learn from Lane Johnson. Maybe he's the solution there long-term. We'll see. Uh, I'm not incredibly confident with it, but that's a whole different story for another day. But Isaac Samalo was a must-keep for me as well. And with his injury history, being an Eagle his entire career, he took the hometown discount. His first extension around, uh, I I see the same thing happening here again. They have to keep him. Right? You know who who prioritizes the offensive line more than the Philadelphia Eagles? You know, they know more than more than you and I are saying right now that they don't want Cam Jurgen stepping into Jason Kelsey's shoes with a a right guard situation that's a little shaky. I mean, they never even put Jason Kelsey in that situation. They always had Brandon Brooks. You know, they had the the star right guards Todd Harriman's for years like they didn't they never put Jason kelsey in that type of situation so they're not going to do that for cam Driggins as well they're going to find a way to keep Zuma. i have no yeah I I,
0: I I would think that they should yeah i mean listen they were that was like the, the position to watch in the
1: summer right they going up, need to wake yeah. up for him though yeah I, that's what i'm saying we need to wake up on how good of a player he is because yeah. there was way too much talk about him battling for that job with jack driscoll but that was all media driven like yeah the, the Eagles first one never camp- let
0: it the Eagles never let it grow legs. You know, they put Siamalu. And, and part of it, too, was Siamalu, you wondered how healthy he was. You know, he had the injury last year. Um, so that was part of why, too, like we were wondering, okay, is he going to be healthy enough to, to play right guard, or is Driscoll going to challenge him for that spot? If he's not, Siamalu proved healthy, and the Eagles never grew legs on that, you know, who's going to start at right guard. It was Siamalu from the start. Once he showed he was healthy, it was Siamalu's job, and it still is and it still should be.
1: What about this? Let's, let's segue into a whole different, because it seems like we got our extensions down pat right now. That's where we're at. Well, that's where our heads are at right now. Well, it's not yours, because I'm actually interested to hear. I'm sure people are going to say Kaiser White. Uh, I do like Kaiser White a lot. Uh, funny, no mentions of Fletcher Cox. I don't think Fletcher Cox is playing as bad as everybody else does. He's clearly not the Fletcher Cox of the old. Uh-huh. But there's always that one play, that key play that he brings pressure on. That does change the outcome of game or affects the outcome of game. And I that still matters to me because right now I don't think Bill Williams is doing that. I don't think any a lot of people on the defensive line are doing that, to be honest with you, as much as they can. So at least you're getting that one play from Fletcher Cox that matters at the end of the day. But again, still not enough. They brought him back for a one-year deal for a reason. They don't think he can give it much more any anyway. So I think this is it for Fletcher Cox.
0: Yeah, there's something to be said for the veteran leadership too in this in this uh in this team. Um, you know, Fletcher is a big part of that. And, and these are guys, Fletcher, Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, guys that have been here their whole careers. Um, so there's something to be said for that. But I mean, unless Fletcher Cox is willing to come down off the $14 million a year, they're paying him this year. I mean, if he wants to cut that in half and play next year at 7 million, sure. Sign him up, but he's not going to do that. I mean, he's probably going to be able to get more than that somewhere else. I mean, I, if, he, if he wanted 10 million, I might consider bringing him back, but uh, that, that's still a lot of money. But, you know, that leadership that he provides, that stuff you don't see in the locker room and on the practice field every day. I mean, he's really good at that stuff and
1: he cares about that stuff. Um, so it's more that than that's way more important than people think, too, because when you yeah. have young players like Jordan Davis, Cam Jurgens, I mean, shit, even Jalen Hurts. Like these young guys are stepping into these vital roles to be the future of your team. You sure. want those guys that did it before that done it that are in that position right now to teach them how to get ready, prepare, prepare for it. I, I think no team values that more than the Philadelphia Eagles. And yes, it hinders them in some in some areas. And in the past, like the Jason Peters situation, I thought it hindered them a little bit more. But again, without that Jason Peters situation, who knows where Jordan Mulat is at in his career? Yeah. You know, so I, I'm fully on board with that. I agree with you as well. That aspect of the team. Is not considered by the fan base enough, and I, I agree with you that 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 veteran leadership and that, hey, I've been there. This is how you should do it. Uh, it's very important, vital for these young guys becoming the future of this team.
0: It's just such a unique situation. Uh, I, I don't think other I can think of another team that has four players like these four with you know set on the north side of thirty who have won a Super Bowl who haven't played anywhere else. I mean, that to me is so unique. And you have to you don't want to tear that down because I think it's unique and I think it benefits the franchise. So you have to really think long and hard about what you feel about Fletcher Cox off the field. And uh, I think the Eagles will. I think, you know, Howie Roseman's a smart general manager. Uh, He'll understand that. He'll think about that. And, you know, if the number makes sense, then they'll probably bring him back. But what number makes sense to them? Is going to be different than what makes sense to the fans I guarantee you that um so we'll see how that all plays out with yeah Flint.
1: absolutely so real quick i don't want to i don't want to dwell on on this topic that much would you bring frank right back
0: yeah, you know, I, I think – I listen, I, I think Frank Reich should be a head coach again somewhere. I think I he agree. earned that opportunity. I, I think if you're a team looking for a head coach, uh, why not bring Frank Reich in? I mean, the guy won games at, when he was oh, in – Oh, the Colts you were know, a mess. The, yeah, I, I don't think it was his fault that they've started five different quarterbacks for in five much? different years. I mean, that's a tough <laughs>
1: – that's a tough uh, – Ed, for as much as fans – I remember, me included – I am at fault for this, so when I, when I come to everybody else, I'm coming at myself for this. I remember 2020, I'm like, God damn, can Jeffrey Lurie get his hands off this freaking team? Like, can he just let these guys do what they need to do and let's see if they sink or shit? Uh, instead of being always sink or swim, excuse me, instead of always being so hands-on with this team, let's let them do their jobs. Yeah. Now? Now? When I see Jim Irsay over there in Indianapolis doing what he's doing, oh, my God, thank God Jeffrey Lurie's the owner of the Eagles. He makes yeah. all the right decisions. I mean, we crucified Jeffrey Lurie for this whole Doug Pierce fire, hiring Nick Sirianni, being way too hands-on, making two rational decisions. But, man, he would never pull Donovan McNabb out of his Fox Sports analyst job and say, coach my team in the middle of the season. Never would he do that. He's not a joke. So, what? I'm completely on board with you. 40 40 wins, 33 losses, one tie with five different quarterbacks and in a horrible organization run by an owner that has no idea what he's doing, is way too hands on with the team and way too emotionally driven by social media. Yeah, Frank Wright is a head coach material for sure. He's not going to be back with this team. I agree with you 100%. There's going to be teams out there that fire their coach, like maybe the Cardinals who have Zach Ertz and they really like Zach Ertz's mentorship over there, who I already know is going to influence them in picking Frank Wright as a head coach. If, they fire Cliff Kingsbury. Well, there's opportunities going to be out there for sure. I, I'm with you. If not, there's going to be play caller opportunities. Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, trying to develop Kenny Pickett. Uh, that's one I can keep an eye on. But we're hindering way too much on this. Frank Gregor turning to Philadelphia yeah. possibility because way too different opportunities out there for him that actually are needed for him. Because, yes, if St. Sation leaves – I don't know if you want Nick Seriani calling plays because Tatron's the one doing so. So I I get where fans are coming, bringing Reich in, but no, Brian Johnson or Kevin Butu for me is uh as the promotion because Frank Reich his his future is not in Philadelphia anymore. It's already gone, come and gone.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, listen, if nothing, if no opportunity develops for him next year, and I'm not sure how long Ursa is paying uh, that contract. I know he's getting next paid five for- years. So he's not in any rush. I mean, he could conceivably come in and be kind of that offensive consultant. But why would the Eagles pay him? I mean, Sirianni and Reich have such a good relationship that they they talk during the season when he still had the Colts job. I mean, they're going to talk this season too, and and Frank will be a sounding board for Sirianni. And the Eagles aren't going to pay him. Why would they? Because they're getting this this get for free, free basically while he while Ursa pays him. Um, but yeah, listen. I, I'll say this about the situation in Indianapolis: when Nick Sirianni was the offensive coordinator for there for three years with three different quarterbacks, the Colts were twenty-eight and twenty. He left, and the last two years they have a losing record. I mean, is that a coincidence, or is that something that Sirianni was doing well in Indianapolis behind the scenes that nobody saw? And now he comes to Philadelphia, he's eight and zero. 17 and eight in one and a half years of coaching as a head coach here in Philadelphia. I mean, say what, I mean, Jeffrey Lurie just gets this right with the head coaching hirings, man. He does a really good job. I mean, Chip Kelly aside, but even Chip Kelly got him to the playoffs when 10 and six, his second year didn't make the playoffs. uh, It, it really crashed and burned at the end, but man, you know, nobody knew anything about Nick Suriani. And you look at him now as a head coach, what he's doing. And then you look back and see what he did in Indianapolis and how they won with the three different quarterbacks. I think there's a lot of, of praise you could put on Nick Sirianni and what he did in Indianapolis. And then when he left, they, didn't, they weren't as good. You know, and maybe that's on Frank or maybe whoever hires the assistant coaches didn't do a good enough job vetting who the next OC would be because they didn't get it that right either. But there's just more things that went wrong in Indianapolis than just Frank Reich. And I think he deserves another head coaching opportunity uh, before anything else. But we'll see how it all plays out once the season ends.
1: The Frank Reich is the mastermind behind Doug Peters and Hottegaard is love hearing this. Yeah. Love hearing this because Nick Sirianni was the mastermind behind Frank Reich apparently.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think it all works hand in hand, right? I mean, I think- it
1: does. I'm kidding. Yeah, it, it's just it's so funny to hear what you lash onto those takes even years ago, uh, and then you hear it now. And it, technically, Nick Sirianni might have been the mastermind behind Frank Wright then, but no, that's just <laughs> all jokes. Yeah, so, I
0: know. There's something to it. There's you can't just discount it.
1: No, coaching matters. That's what everybody <laughs> needs to figure it out. A collaborative effort of good coaching results in more wins than losses. And then when you take away part of that good coaching, it results in more losses than wins. Look at the Indianapolis Colts right there for you. Happened with the Eagles too, to be honest with you. Anyways, yes, Ed, let's get into this game with Washington real quick and let's break it down as as fast as we possibly can because we are on a time crunch right now. So, with that being said, Vontae Monarchs is out. I think Curtis Samuel is actually coming on a little bit stronger for Washington lately as of late. I think with Taylor Heineke, a, a more willingness – Decisive quarterback under center compared to Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz will play hero ball, Taylor Heineke will play Superman ball. And I think that's what Washington needs is because they don't have an offensive line that can give their quarterback enough time to make opportunities happen. So he needs Superman ball, and that's for ta- Taylor Heineke, who has nothing to lose plays. So I think actually Taylor Heineke and this Washington offense will give the Eagles a harder go around this time around than. The previous uh, game with Carson Wentz under center when the Eagles got nine sacks. I don't think it's going to happen this time. Taylor Heineke, like I said, not hero ball, but Superman ball. I think the Eagles will have two turnovers, two interceptions on him, though. Uh, But I do think they'll struggle with him a little bit more than they did with Carson Wentz. And I think people will be like, well, is he better than Carson? No, I don't necessarily say that. I just think given the matchup, I think he's going to give them a little bit more trouble than Carson Wentz did.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, sure. The commanders are playing better with Heineke, at quarterback. Their last five games have been decided by five or fewer points. They're three and two in those games. So, you know, Vegas or whatever the odds makers now, I guess you can't say Vegas because you can gamble anywhere. But uh, odds makers have the Eagles favored by double digits, which to me is way too high. I think they did last week, too.
1: I thought it was ridiculous, too.
0: Yeah, I I just think that this is going to be a close game. Commanders are playing differently. They have Brian Robinson, who didn't play in the first meeting, who's a physical back. And I think the blueprint to try to beat the Eagles is to run the football against them. We saw Damian Pierce gash him for 139 in Houston. Uh, And Brian Robinson is a very good running back from Alabama, hard-nosed runner. Um, And you couple him with Antonio Gibson. I think it really doesn't matter much if Heineke plays well or doesn't. I think this running game is what they're going to have to rely on. And the Eagles are going to have to stop it because not only can it be effective, but if you're running the ball well against Philly, you're going to keep Jalen Hurts in that offense on the sideline and you're going to limit their chances. And I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it's going to come down to the wire, but I think the Eagles find a way to win. I mean, let's look, they're not going to go undefeated. They're going to lose somewhere and it could very well be Monday. I don't see it. I think that you know they're going to find a way to win this game. They have the better roster. no no question about that. But the better roster doesn't always win. Um, I'm a little concerned about the fact that the Eagles have only played two games in the last twenty eight days. This will be their third game in twenty nine days. And, you know, yeah, it, it helps to rest and get over some of the bumps and bruises. But at the same time, I think it takes away a little bit of the edge. so they could come out a little bit flat uh, and, and keep Washington in this game. And I, I just think they did it's,
1: it is against Houston. It's yeah, a very I, valid, valid complaint.
0: Yeah, I, I just think if you're, I'm not a, you know, if you want to put down a wager, I would say that the Eagles aren't going to cover the spread this week. I think it's going to be a close game, and I think the Eagles are going to have to find a way to win late, which is something they haven't had to do all season. So we'll see if they're up for the task, in getting the job done.
1: I got the Eagles win twenty eight to twenty two. Okay, I think it's going to be a, t- a divisional game. Uh, yeah, I know what happened the first time around, but Carson Wentz can't move. And that offensive line can't protect. Taylor Heineke right. can move, and he'll make something happen, whether it's a really bad play or a boom play. It'll yeah. happen. And for some reason, when Taylor Heineke was inserted, guess who woke up again? Terry McLaurin. So it's not going to be that easy a game, and you don't have Avante Maddox out there. You're going to have Josiah Scott looking like. But again, about Josiah Scott's played well, considering the fact that he's a backup nickel corner. Yeah. So when he comes in to start, I think he plays well, considering the fact of what he is. But yeah, I do think. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, in Washington's going to get that extra jolt of energy. Jahan Dotson's back, their rookie wide receiver who's listed, yeah. missed a month, so that gives Heineke another weapon. And then it looks like Chase Young has a really good chance uh, to play as well. He hasn't played. It'll be exactly one year since he tore his ACL, and you know he's not going to play a lot, but fifteen to twenty snaps, he can still make an impact. In that oh, yeah. time, so you know Washington's going to have a little momentum uh in getting some of that personnel back. So that that that's in their favor as well.
1: Jalen Hurts does a great job of spelling their front seven, though. Mm-hmm. I will say, compared to every um quarterback that the Eagles have had as of late playing against Washington, I've always considered their front seven as a fierce opponent. But with Jalen Hurts under center, I haven't really. Been concerned, as I used to be in the past, with this front seven. He spells that front seven incredibly well with his legs. And, of course, but he's making things happen through the air against that secondary. He picks it apart like cheese. Kendall Fuller is one of his major victims this season. I think it's going to happen again on Monday night with Devontae Smith all over again. I think Devontae Smith going to have a huge game Monday night against the Washington Commanders. And I think it's going to be on, on part of a Jalen Hurts, another passing trifecta. Well, he did last time, right? 169 yards,
0: career high, with that with a, with eight catches. I don't think it's going to happen but, all over
1: again. They don't have a guy that can cover him.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it could. I, I think it's a. I have it more like a twenty to seventeen type of game. I, I think it's going to be low scoring. I like that defensive front for Washington. It's going to be hard to run against them. Um, Benjamin St. Juice. I like him as a cornerback for the for the uh, Commanders. I think he's pretty yeah. good. Um, I just Eagles
1: think- are going to score on defense.
0: Okay, that'd be nice. They They're going to score on defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ha-
1: I mean not, what is it? Not it hasn't happened since the opener when James it Brad- The opener. Yeah, it was James Bradbury six. six?
0: Yeah, it's going to happen again this week. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they've scored another one since, but um. Yeah, it could. It seems to happen against Washington, doesn't it? That's I mean, why I got. I don't know. It always great. seems
1: to happen against Washington. But, yeah. we're, talking, we're going years past, too, because Malcolm Jenkins always seemed to get one against them. And yeah, I, I think it's going to happen this time around. I think it's going to happen yeah. with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, too. Mm-hmm. Let's go for the yeah. safety.
0: You know, it's interesting because I was talking to somebody about this and how it always seems like these two teams split every year. But I, I looked it up and the Eagles have had Washington's number. Uh, since the Super Bowl year, the mm-hmm. Eagles have won nine of 11 matchups. They were swept. The Eagles were swept in 2020, but they only won four games that year. But ever since that, they were the only two times they've lost to Washington since that Super Bowl season. So, you know, the Eagles have had the, the commander's number here since their Super Bowl season. And, you know, that matters too, um, you know, because some of the personnel is still the same and um, including Jalen hurts. So, you know, we'll see, see how it turns out. I think it's going to be a good game. I really do. And I think, you know, it should be entertaining to the very
1: end. Absolutely. All right, guys. So hurricane Nicole did knock out my internet. That's the reason why we were down. So down on the pod, but we will be back this week to break down this Monday football matchup, preferably on Tuesday. We'll see how it goes. Well, the podcast is back. We're ready to go. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for all your support. And remember to go to betonline.ag that who sponsors the show and get some money with us with promo code B-L-E-A-V. Thank you guys for tuning in. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time.
0: There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,